There, it's like, it's, it's like my goofy cousin is hosting the show tonight. Uh, hello, I'm Dave's cousin, Kenny. Dave was smoking a cigar and had to go home early. So Dave asked, could I fill in? The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it is The Wrestling Life. It's episode 293. It is Elimination Chamber 2022 week. I'm Ethan. I'm Liam. Liam, we really have so much to talk about this week. We we really keep breaking our own record for just how much we have to talk about. And of course, the so many things we can't talk about on the first and the only wrestling podcast. Yeah, so a few things happened in wrestling this week. Uh, Steve Austin might be coming out of retirement for a match with Kevin Owens at <laughs> WrestleMania. Steve Austin's 57. He hasn't wrestled in 19 years. And there are people that believe it's a done deal. There are people that believe it's just been talked about. I think there are people that are concerned about whether it would be a real match or just a boom stunner, one, two, three kind of thing. Big, big week for World Wrestling Entertainment. They've also apparently signed Cody Rhodes away from AEW. <laughs> There's so much to discuss. They have a blood money show this weekend in mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. So many things to discuss here. We'll begin with Austin because it's the only guy who retired and stayed retired in the modern era. And now 19 years later at 57 years old, apparently he's strongly considering coming out of retirement for WrestleMania. I'll believe it when I see it or when they start shooting some angles, but certainly an interesting, unforeseen development. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I hadn't really thought about like what Kevin Owens cutting promos on the state of Texas was supposed to mean mm-hmm. or like why that would, why he would be doing that other than that WrestleMania was going to be in Texas. And so, and then if you if throw it out, okay, he's going to do something with Austin. You go, okay, they're going to have him do his talk show and Austin's going to be the guest and it'll end with him getting a stunner and Austin doing the beer bash or whatever. Right. That's, you know, that's old hat. That makes sense. That's fine. That'll be a good time. Um, and then, yeah, no, when, when you hear the word Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to wrestle. And <laughs> I think it was, I want to say it was Andrew Zarian um said that he has heard that it isn't it may also not be a one-off uh so and which i mean that suggests saudi shows to me um Mm -hmm. so maybe he's just looked around at you know at the money big bill and mean mark calloway have been making on these saudi shows and says yeah i can i can fart out a five minute match three times a year (laughs) for a couple of years that aspect would be interesting. I um, He always struck me as someone who didn't need the money and who was very proud about his entering work. But you could say all those things of Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels ruined the 10-year retirement. <laughs> <laughs> the same way. So you should never be surprised when somebody comes... Really, the most surprising thing is that Hogan hasn't wrestled at a Saudi show, right? 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that was like when they did that one uh, Flair and Hogan like tag team match at at one of the shows. I thought like there was a non-zero chance that the fifth guy on each person's team was going to end up being Hogan and Flair and they would you know, keep it limited and just let them tag in and, and do some punches and whatever. And, and Flair would do a couple flops and whatever, but they, they stayed away from that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it is kind of amazing that, but I, I think the most, and maybe the most fun part of this beyond just yet the novelty of this guy coming back after all this time for this specific match uh, is just that I really thought WWE was out of people to do this with <laughs> right it's like yeah Blaine came back you know angle goldberg cena's in and out like who yeah. like i really thought there's nobody left that they could bring back that would be this big of a deal but if austin comes back and wrestles in texas at wrestlemania it's gonna be a giant freaking deal yeah you would think so you would think so Goldberg's contract is apparently running out after this weekend. They will need a Saudi guy going forward. Is that going to be weird though? If like you, pull, I don't. Those are sold shows. Mm-hmm. But, like it's completely just to get the guy a payday. <laughs> like it's not like if I was going to use Steve Austin, I want to sell some tickets with him. And I guess that's what their the idea is. By doing it's by doing a match at WrestleMania, as they're trying to fill a hundred thousand seat building <laughs> a couple times. But um, if it's just going to be doing Saudi stuff, it's like why are why are we doing? Why I don't know. Besides <laughs> the fact that he get he gets going to get two million dollars a show, you know? Yeah, and yeah, it could just be that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because it, it, you. My only thought was if it is a one off. I know they just re-signed Owens to a pretty big deal. And yeah. we've talked about before, uh, you know, how Vince, when he's paying a guy a lot of money, generally puts him in a more prominent spot on his shows. Yep. But still, the idea that it's a one-off and he would come back to wrestle Kevin Owens, of all people, and then just ride off into the sunset, I feel like there's got to be more to this. If he's, if he, I, I feel like if he's coming back, it's going to be this and probably the next shoddy show that they do in October or whatever that is. And then maybe a Saudi show next, next February and another mania, at least like, I feel like we get, if he, if he comes back for a match, I feel like maybe we get three or four out of them. Interesting. I don't have a, I don't have a, a sense one way or the other. If the, the red flag to me was, in in all of this was that apparently WWE had the idea like around December and they tried to get Austin to agree in December and he was non-committal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, this is the guy who pulled out of a pay-per-view that they advertised him for the week of. <laughs> Even though they never really asked him, hey, you want to wrestle again? They just advertised him for a match <laughs> against the coach. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, he hadn't wrestled in like two years and then they had like a Cyber Sunday or a Taboo Tuesday coming up and they're like, yeah, we're going to have Steve Austin wrestle the coach. And they didn't ask Austin 
and they just advertised him. And then the week of, he's like, no, nah, I gotta, I gotta sort back. I can't make it. So, <laughs> wasn't he also supposed to lose that? Yeah, they were gonna have him lose. There was some weird uh, Vince stuff going on there where like he hates the guy all of a sudden for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. that's that around yeah, that a- same era where like Dwayne's contract, quote unquote, accidentally expires. Right. Like 2004, yes. 2005. Yes. That same era. Yeah. Hogan was in and out around that time. Also. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but Humorous. enough about 2005. <laughs> Just can't help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot help ourselves. We'll talk about Big John Stud some more. <laughs> we heard, heard him talk. talk. <laughs> yeah, I've never been watching this since 1987. Never heard Big John Stud talk until this week. Kind of sounded like a like a, a not quite as talented uh, Ted DiBiase. He had like the same rasp to his voice. Yeah, really did. He really did. So one of the founding members of AEW is leaving the company and there are some very interesting leaks going around about all of this. Cody Rhodes reportedly signed with the world wrestling federation, WWE the world wrestling entertainment has signed Cody Rhodes. Are you, surpri- <laughs> are you surprised by this? Are you surprised by the timing of this? Are you surprised by any of this? What do you think about Cody and Brandy Rhodes leaving AEW? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's a little surprised. I will say when when this first started, when Sean Ross Sapp at like the beginning of January reported that he was working AEW shows without a contract. I and the explanation given was, well, he was going to sign his new deal at the Newark show, but then he had to stay home because he had covid. I was like, so, well, like yeah, I was like, well, email and fax machines exist. We so, have uh, we have the ability to sign things digitally now. Yes. So the idea that oh well he just wasn't there in person to sign his deal, I was like well that's a bit strange. And the explanation also given at the time was well this must be something for his reality show. They're getting a second season of it. This will be a storyline for it. And that made as much sense as anything to me. Um, mm-hmm. I will say if you revisit that last promo he cut in uh, in an AEW ring at least for the time being. And he's talking about legacy and how he took, he went and did all of the things that CM Punk uh, claimed he was going <laughs> to do in the pipe yeah. bomb promo and how, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's the one that built this forbidden door that everyone's talking about and how, Oh, he leaves for a few weeks and all of a sudden the young bucks brought in uh, red, Dra- red dragon graduated hip toss class. And all of a sudden where well, I have to watch the young bucks beat up on developmental once again or something like that. Just like the content of that promo, which at the time, I don't know if we did a show that week, but I know we talked off the air about just how weird that promo was. Um, and then we the- did do, I think we did do a show because I remember discussing this in person with you. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I remember just looking at that and then you look at it now and you go, Oh, cause this was his swan song. So <laughs> it seems to me like he knew he was not coming back after that ladder match and that this was going to be the last time that he was in their ring. Uh, So that's fascinating to me. And then, yes, he did. I mean, he did not cut corners in that ladder match. They, they beat the hell out of each other in that match. He did a lot of great stuff. It's a great match. 
and he put Sammy over and then it was kind of radio silence for a few weeks here. And then now in the meantime, we did have that incredibly bizarre Brandy Rhodes, Dan Lambert segment. Yes. Um, which again would have led you to think, okay, well clearly we're building to Cody and Brandy against Paige Van Zant and somebody. And again, right. maybe that was a plan at one point, mm-hmm. but at the same time, clearly Cody wasn't signed. And then, yes, depending on where you go, uh, I know Wade Keller's had a lot of details about it this week, you know, maybe on more of like the, the tabloidy side of things. I don't say that as an insult either, because I live no. for the, I live for this hot gossip. This hot goss that we're getting about this is wonderful. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, yes. I'm, a, I'm a messy bitch who loves drama. And <laughs> this, is, uh, this is beautiful. This has been a beautiful week for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that that part of it where he didn't just sign the contract in January when his deal was up told me that maybe there was something going on here, but I kind of didn't think that deeply about it. And then now that we're blowing up and we're getting details that are coming out of both TMZ and Sports Illustrated, which (laughs) TMZ especially, that's a WWE source. If they have details on a wrestling story, it's because WWE wants them to. Um, Sports Illustrated, I think, is more of like a universal mouthpiece like they'll they'll do stories for for everybody's wrestling show but they're they're pr for everyone yes but they also had as you pointed out to me off the air specific details about like cody perhaps filming vignettes for his return at the performance center this weekend and things like that that would again suggest that it was coming from either the cody camp or the wwe camp so yeah i guess that's interesting is that what we've gotten out of it so far seems to mostly be from the Cody side of it. And it's that he felt like his, his status and his, his place in the company was kind of abdicated and taken from him mostly by Tony Khan, making himself (laughs) more of a public figure within the company, which, Mm -hmm. which, which does add up. If you look at like the 2019, like the YouTube stuff and even the first couple shows they ran, Cody is 100% like the public figurehead more so than anybody else, more so than even the other EVPs and certainly more than Tony. So like this all adds up to, and then him talking about, and again, you go back to that promo where he's talking about uh, everyone talks about this forbidden door that I'm the one who built it. And I'm the one who did all this and feeling like maybe he was, you know, being, being left behind. And then on top of it, new people come in and are making a lot more money than he is. And so maybe, and so that's the other thing too. It's like, there was an element about, I think PW Insider had an element about it being the two sides being pretty far apart on the money side of things. So it sounds like it was just this perfect storm of, there was a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings and, and anger from the Cody camp and the Tony camp. And then you mix that in with uh, the dollars and cents of it all. And maybe Cody just goes, well, if I'm being squeezed out of having any real sway in this company anyway, I might as well go to the other guys where I maybe not have that sway, but they'll also probably pay me more. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I'm fascinated by the dollars and cents aspect of it, just because we know that the, well, we thought that all the EVPs, the Bucks, Omega and Cody all had three-year contracts with a two-year option. Mm -hmm. Then Dave Meltzer reported this week that 
Cody and the Bucks had three-year deals with two-year options. Jericho also had a three-year deal with a two-year option. Kenny Omega just had a four-year deal. So that's interesting. It's interesting to me that somebody went to somebody at the end of December, or assuming Cody's contract expired December 31st, somebody went to somebody and said, we're not picking this up this option. Or Cody went to AEW. Either AEW went to Cody and said, we're not picking up your option. We want to renegotiate for less money. Or Cody went to AEW and said, please don't pick up my option. I'm going to be miserable here working for that sal- working for that salary. Um, and you you don't want to pay me to just sit at home. Mm-hmm. So I want to renegotiate. Somebody went to somebody and said, we are going to renegotiate. And if it's the company that went to him and said, we want to renegotiate. Do you really want him around? If you say, hey, man, I'm going to cut your pay. (laughs) You know, it's like. And the fact that lawyers had to. There's so many aspects of this that will never be satisfactorily explained to me because Mm -hmm. I assume that people have signed non-disclosure agreements. And the fact that the guy who never logs off, who owns AEW, (laughs) hasn't said anything about this yet, tells me that maybe legally he can't say anything about this yet (laughs) is very interesting. But it's, it's very interesting to me that that. We've gotten nothing out of the AEW side. All of the WWE mouthpieces, including Ariel Helwani, who used to be Nick Khan's agent, uh, has details about this. And uh, we got nothing out of the AEW side of things. It's very interesting. Yeah, it, that that is just the, the idea that in, th- in three years, we could go from, from where we were to where we are, I think is maybe the most is the most fascinating part of it but yeah it does sound like it just the the timeline as has been laid out if you take a piece from this reporter and then this report and then this report you go okay yeah this now you're starting to understand it the lawyer side of things i mean cody and brandy both were also executives within the company within the company so i'm sure that may have something to do with like you know what they can and can't say about like obviously yeah. they can't go to WWE and be like, "Hey, here's when everybody in AEW's contracts are up" or whatever. Um, that makes sense. So that's I'm sure that's part of where the lawyers would come in, but it's yeah, it's still an incredibly fascinating thing. And then yeah, Brandy was still, as we mentioned, after Cody <laughs> did his ladder match, she was still a character on television. She was still wrestling on like Dark and stuff like that as of like two weeks ago. So it didn't seem like they were preparing for a, for her exit. Um, but it also maybe appears that she's not going with him <laughs> to, to WWE at this point. So uh, this is, this is, that's another piece of this. The I feel like the Brandy side of this is maybe the least uh, less discussed, maybe because it isn't. And it certainly isn't as interesting as one of the founders of the company leaving. Um but I like I feel like her side of that, like it seemed like they were pressing ahead with and planning things out for at at the very least the Brandy character to continue on AEW television, whether Cody was coming back or not. But now she's out the door as well. And that's that is also fascinating to me. Yeah. 
she did not wrestle much in WWE. I don't know if she ever had a main roster match. Did she? I can't think of one. No, I think because the whole time she was anywhere near the main roster, she was just the ring announcer. Right. So it makes sense that they. I, yeah, I mean, they used her as a ring announcer. So like I was not so, I was not shocked that she was not part of the deal. But then her leaving is also interesting. <laughs> as you just laid out. And I know, I, I know, I think this was part of the, the Meltzer side of things said that like, she had just negotiated like a new thing with like the American heart association that she was spearheading. And, and so I, I like, it's not like she wasn't that she was, it didn't, it just didn't appear to me that like she was, she was out the door. So I don't know if it's just like when the, the decision was finally handed down, she's like, well, I can't stick around if, my husband works somewhere else or I don't want to. And they said, yeah, okay. Um, and then there's, there's another part, which I think, I don't know if you mentioned it on, on the show. I think you mentioned it to me off the air, but there's also like, there was the reality show and the other, the talent show that he's a host on. So there's probably other like TNT contracts that he's going to need to be let out of, or that will be canceled. If, since he is no longer, you know, working on the Turner wrestling show. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. If you're Brandy and you want to wrestle, though, like you must not either. You don't want to wrestle, despite saying publicly that you do want to wrestle <laughs> or like there's nowhere else to wrestle. <laughs> if you're Brandy Rhodes, right? I mean, I mean, impact, right? <laughs> like, she's, she's that gung ho about it. I mean. I mean, they're they're in ring despite everyone talking about impacts uh, like great <laughs> women's division. If you, take, it. if you take nobody watches it. And also, if you take a look around at like some of the talent there, it's like, yeah, OK, this is there's definitely some really talented people there. And then there's uh, under that crop. There's also, you know, the Iconics are there. Mm. They're talented in different ways. They're not talented mm. in wrestling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So overall, some reason I wasn't surprised when I woke up and read the Cody thing. Mm -hmm. Like maybe the timing is surprising, but also we knew maybe things were not all peaches and cream over there. And Mm -hmm. we knew that when this came out in January that he didn't have a contract, that there was something going on between the two sides money wise. And so I was not super shocked by it. I thought that interesting clip from BTE that was going around social media this week where Nick Jackson was saying that uh, talking about Stockholm syndrome seemed like maybe that was (laughs) lifted from a conversation that maybe Cody had had with the boys off air about their situation in AEW and uh, this being when this promotion started, it was by the boys for the boys. I remember mm-hmm. someone saying, and now it's, it's the savior of wrestling. The guy who trademarked the forbidden door, Tony Khan's promotion. <laughs> All of this is very understandable to me. Hey, from both sides. Sure. I'm not the biggest Tony Khan fan in the world. What? But if, it, if it were my family's money, I'd want to end. I put it on three months of shows like the first three months of Dynamite. I'd want to be in charge too. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's a point, And I think people always point to I want to say it was the last show of December 2019, yeah. where it ends with like the Dark Order laying out. It was supposed to be Marty Skrull's debut, but then Marty Skrull didn't come in. Thank God. And uh, but they still went ahead with the segment that would have been his debut where the Dark Order lays out like the entire elite and it was super flat. Everybody hated it. Nobody perhaps. And I've heard like Brian Alvarez has mentioned this so many times that I, I feel like Tony Khan must have told him this personally mm. that like no one was harder on that show than Tony Khan himself. And I feel like there's there's a there's a there's a point there where where you feel like dynamite was everybody was booking their own stuff and mm-hmm. and then one guy and, and then maybe it starts getting filtered everybody's stuff starts getting filtered through one person's guy I, I don't that doesn't necessarily mean the shows are now these beautiful fluid things all of a sudden but I do right. feel like you can tell there's a difference between those first couple of wild west months where there's like a Cody segment and then a Jericho segment and then a buck segment. And it all feels very, you know, very much everybody's doing their own thing. And then, and then afterwards, but, but yeah, I, I, I totally understand that from, from, from multiple different people's from multiple different people's sides. But yeah, I, I also think it was interesting and this, maybe this is like the only nugget that's come out of the AEW side was that, uh, I want to say Dave and I want to say somebody else, uh, but all said that like, you know, Cody and the Bucks relationship was as good as it's been in a really long time. Like, I thought that was really interesting that 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 just came out, like whatever issues there may have been in the past, they were on really good terms, like the best terms they've been in a really long time over the last six months or whatever. So, which to me really just hammered home that this was very much, this wasn't so much about the, the EVP, fabled evp infighting of of 2020 and 2021 and was more about whatever this cody tony thing was very very interesting well we'll see when he pops up the sports illustrated article mentioned both wrestlemania and the raw after wrestlemania specifically as potential cody debut dates and that article had so many details that I have to assume that that's what they're shooting for right now. Yeah, that makes as much sense as anything. Do you, I feel like if you're doing vignettes though, you probably want to, you announce him like three weeks before mania and then you do the debut at mania. I I don't know. It's, there's also the part of this where it's Vince McMahon still thinks he's getting Dusty's kid, right? So Vincent Man booking the Rhodes family (laughs) over the years has a certain (laughs) ceiling to it. So is he really going to like give him a debut segment at WrestleMania? (laughs) Sounds pretty. Yeah, that does sound like like a little bit of uh, I don't know. Like, and I know the idea again. What we've just talked about, Vincent Man is paying him a lot of money to come in, presumably. So he'll be in a better spot. He's a much bigger star than he was when he left. People you know, can compare this to like the Drew McIntyre thing. But also, you know, look at what Drew McIntyre's doing right now. Uh, he's wrestling. He's wrestling Riddick Moss. Uh, so I, I think Cody will come in as a big deal. And then there's going to be that voice in Vince's head that says, you can't, you can't put their guy over your guys. <laughs> and Cody's going to be... In six, I just say 
the most fascinating point may be like six months after he has debuted as to where Cody's uh, newfound, uh, where, where his head lies at this point with, uh, within the, the World Wrestling Federation. But there's also a thing where he's going to be paying him, you know, $2 million or whatever the mm-hmm. number is. And it's like, well, Edge is always a focal point, not the focal point, but a focal point of television when he's around because mm-hmm. he's making so much money. And if Cody's making somewhere in that range, you would think there would be the part of it too, where it's like, I got to pay, I got to use this guy. I'm paying him. Yeah. I mean, and in the, in the immediate, there's not like some, so many, <laughs> so many tippy top <laughs> stars, the stars, the shows are so loaded that like a guy who can talk as you know, Cody can talk for 20 minutes. He He's going to be a guy, I think, at the very least, probably like Kevin Owens, like, uh, you know, probably above like a Sami Zayn. But I think he's going to be a guy that they trust, that they know, like a Miz, that they know can go out there and talk for 20 minutes. And then if you need him to wrestle for 15 minutes in the main event of the show, he's fine for that, too. So I don't I think he'll be higher up than he was previously, but I would be almost legitimate maybe the biggest shock of all of this to me would be if they actually like gave him a real hard shove as like a tippy top guy in in this return right yeah all right blood money show this weekend saturday at noon i guess it's better than like thursday at noon which is when these (laughs) things typically happen but um Rey Mysterio is wrestling The Miz at WWE Elimination Chamber. Why not? Straight out of a 2007 SmackDown episode. <laughs> Ronda Rousey and Naomi are teaming against Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville, gay, wrestling in a country where it's illegal to be gay. Yeah, I mean, this is this, this is part of the deal, right? They... They get to now point to this and go say, we don't have a bad human rights uh, record against gay people. We let one wrestle on this show. Like this is this is this is part of the propaganda, you know, just because WWE no longer is airing like tourism videos for them. uh, That's not that's not the only side of the propaganda. Part of it is because they can point to these big events that they pay a lot of money for to go. Hey, let's look at this. Look at like what we're allowing to happen on our on our soil that's uh you know that that gives the illusion of progress even though there are still literally laws against being gay in that country there is uh the first elimination chamber match uh the winner gets a raw women's title shot at wrestlemania it's Liv morgan don't like her chances versus rhea ripley don't like her chances versus dewdrop don't like her chances versus nikki ash don't like her chances Versus Alexa Bliss, the returning Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair. Certainly, everything that's happened over the last six months would lead you to think Bianca Belair is winning this match. But uh, but Alexa Bliss is blonde, so we don't know. I feel like in Vince McMahon's head, Alexa Bliss versus Becky Lynch would be like a big time match <laughs> that he would want to that he would want to do on a big show. So it would not shock me if Alexa Bliss won this. But I would also like to think <laughs> that like Becky would have enough pull to be like, hey, we gotta we gotta pay off this story that we started eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, 
Otherwise, Bianca is... I mean, I still don't think it's going to have a particularly large impact if Bianca just beats Becky at WrestleMania. Like, I think the damage has kind of been done. (laughs) But I think if you don't have her be the one to beat Becky, that's like... She should quit. Like, that's... That's like... you, You got... Like, she still has to be the one. Unless... You know, unless you have categorically decided that you just aren't going to treat her like a top star ever again. If and if you've decided that, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Your brain is soup, old man. <laughs> oh, the fact that Bianca Belair is not the biggest star in the company is such an indictment. It really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> such a no-brainer. It is such a no-brainer. You hear her talk, you see her charisma, you see her work. It's like, how is this not how is this not the biggest star in wrestling? Oh. And like it was such a no-brainer that they <laughs> seemed to figure it out in uh, in 2021. And they did almost everything right. And then it's been it's been all downhill <laughs> since since the summer fest. Yes, that's true. Drew McIntyre is wrestling Madcap Moss in a false count anywhere match. Drew came back from uh, a neck injury severe enough that they thought he might need neck surgery to wrestling Madcap Moss. Boy, does it suck to be that guy. (laughs) I would have just taken the time off, man. Like, especially because, like, as far as we know, like, pay-per-view payoffs and WrestleMania payoffs don't really exist like they used to anymore. Right. It's like, not I mean, not for the guys at that level anyway. I'm like, obviously we know that Goldberg and Brock and guys like that are getting extra to work the Saudi show, but right. Um, so it's like, if I were him I, and they told, and like, I saw <laughs> what, what, I, what, like, Oh, I can't miss mania because I've got to, I've got to work. I've got to, it's like, if you're winning the world title in the main event, I can understand why you maybe would try to fight through the pain to get back. But if you're coming back to wrestle Madcap Moss and, and then wrestle like, Corbin. I don't know. Yeah. Corbin or Sheamus or somebody that you've already wrestled a million times. And like the second match on night two of WrestleMania that nobody cares about. Like, come on, man, just take some time off. It's fine. The, I saw, saw the house show the week before, like he, uh, he took some time off because of his neck. It's like, first of all, that entire week, they made it work twice on every show. <laughs> at least, well, at least he was working two matches and like doing an angle where he had to do physicality in an angle. So they were just like running him into the ground. And you could tell he's got like the 1995 Bret Hart mindset where it's like, I'm the given i've been given the ball i mm-hmm. need to i need to carry this company on my back and it's like dude you're so hurt you might need a neck operation and they're making you work twice a night they don't care about you <laughs> like, stay home yes. what is wrong with you oh man you just wonder like yeah you wonder like the jedi mind tricks that are <laughs> right that are played. right it's and again like you said it's a, that very old school mindset of i've you know i'm the top guy in the territory and i gotta i gotta soldier on work work hurt and all this stuff it's like it's not not all that also look if if vince mcmahon could make an extra dollar by shooting you in the face he'd do it right (laughs) like he doesn't care he doesn't care about your and if you if you take six months off to actually get properly healed up 
the machine's just going to keep going. And as you know, several people, probably Jericho most famously has pointed out, uh, you are more over the less you are on WWE television. So if anything, if he leaves for six months and then walks back out in, in SummerSlam or something, he's probably way more over than he was when he left. So just, just take care of yourself, man. Like it's not, yeah, it's not worth it. Yep. So back at Illumination Chamber, the Usos are defending the SmackDown tag titles against the Viking Raiders. Don't like the Viking Raiders' chances in that one. <laughs> Roman Reigns and Goldberg. This is a match we were pretty excited for, I guess, a couple years ago at WrestleMania. I don't even know if we were that excited for it because we knew it was going to be in, an, in the empty building. Um, at some point, I would have been very excited to see Roman Reigns wrestle Goldberg. Um, I'm not sure what to expect from this. I'm not sure if it's Goldberg's last match. I think there's probably a point where he comes back and tries to work a tag with his son. If his son ends up in this business, which seems inevitable. Um, But uh, I am less excited for Roman Reigns and Goldberg than I would have been a couple of years ago. And probably uh, maybe because they just, uh, it kind of popped up out of nowhere like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's all that's all played a part here. But yeah, Gold Goldberg matches in the last two years have gotten less fun. <laughs> and uh like I said, I, I did think that he and, and Bodacious Bob put in a heck of an effort at the the last Saudi show, but um yeah, I, I don't I don't expect a ton from this. And also it's another one of those examples of well, when you tell us what the WrestleMania main event is. <laughs> and you still have a show before WrestleMania where these guys are going to, these guys and girls are going to be defending their belts on them kind of makes all those matches seem much less interesting on top of that. So even, you know, even if the star power was still there, we know it's Roman and Brock at mania. Uh, so it feels, it feels a little, uh, a little less interesting in that way as well. Cause we already kind of know what the result is. Even if we were already, you know, 98% sure that Goldberg wasn't beating Roman Reigns. Um, I, I still think that the announcing Brock uh, versus Roman already just kind of adds that extra 2% to make sure we know that it's, it's kind of a, a DOA match. Yeah. Uh, two matches left to talk about on this show. Becky Lynch versus Lita, one of my all-time favorites. Two of my all-time favorites. Hmm. You never mentioned that. <laughs> yep. 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 For the Raw Women's title. I guess Lita doing a bunch of press this week and saying, yeah, I'm not signed for anything beyond uh, Elimination Chamber. Kind of <laughs> tips the finish to this one, even if it's not, even if it wasn't patently obvious obvious to you that Becky Lynch is beating Lita. Uh, mm-hmm. should be should be really obvious to you now. Just thinking about this, and I was like, you know what? If this, if anything still mattered in this business, I would put Lita over and then have Becky beat her down the road. Uh, whether it's in two weeks on Raw or whatever, like I would have, I would put Lita over and then have Becky beat her. And then that way you have a rubber match you can go back to at some point. Yeah, I think there's, there's something to that that they, a lot of times don't do, especially with returning women. We've talked about this before, but they kind of just bring them back and beat them most of the time. Um, yeah. At where there might be more equity and there might be more fan interest if 
you actually let them come back and get a win or two. And then they put over the, you know, the stars on their way out. I think there's, there's something to that, but they don't really ever seem to be all that interested in, in doing that. At least not with the women. Yeah. Yeah. They've done it like maybe a quarter of the time with Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see what kind of match they have. Ladies moonsault looked good a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I I guess that it's I would again I would be way more interested in this if it wasn't a Saudi show. Yes. Um, and if they could just go out there and, and really try to tear it up also, but again, Lita is also uh, you know, older than she was when she retired as a full-time <laughs> wrestler in the year two thousand six. I was thirteen years old when she retired. I'm twenty-nine <laughs> now. Um, so yeah, I think maybe <laughs> I, I don't expect a ton out of this in the ring, but I think if you you hit all the big moves and the signatures and and you get the the cool near falls and then and then Becky wins it'll be it'll I'm sure it'll be fine. Like I think there's also just a level of like when you've been doing this as long as Lita is, you can you could still have maybe a bad match, but I don't think you can have like a really bad match and then you add in like the fan goodwill of seeing her back in the ring it's like yeah this will be this will be fine like you you wish maybe it could be more than fine but like i would think like at a bare minimum this will be all right and then bobby lashley defending the wwe championship against brock lesnar seth rollins austin theory riddle and aj styles in an elimination chamber match i expect brock enters the chamber last i expect brock wins I expect we get title versus title at WrestleMania because that just feels like feels like a Vince McMahon idea. Yeah, that might be the only bit of intrigue left <laughs> left on this show is if is Brock versus Roman going to be title for title or not. So, yeah, and again, and, and we've talked about it a hundred times. But if if let's say Lashley retains or Rollins wins or whatever, so if somebody besides Brock wins. Who could possibly care about whatever <laughs> about whatever raw title match you put on there? I mean, again, it's you got two nights you can you can fill it up with a you know they can open one of the shows or something if you want, but just who could who could possibly care about like Lashley versus Rollins or or something like that? Who could who could care? It's a good question. All right, anything else you want to get into? No, that, I think that's that's about it on the on the dynamite side. I thought dynamite was really good this week, like as a show, huh. um, as like promoting <laughs> promoting stuff that I wanted to see. I really liked Punk's promo, uh, setting up the dog collar match with uh, with MJF. I thought the the mocks. I thought that Brian Danielson had a great match with Lee Moriarty, um, and then I really liked the the promo between those two guys. And yeah, I, I like the Adam Cole and Hangman Page promo. Um, yeah, I thought there's a lot of good stuff. And I feel like they always wait until the last minute. But <laughs> now that they're actually building towards something in their in this pay-per-view coming up in March. Yeah, I think it's uh, the show seemed a little more focused to me. I have felt for the last six weeks or so that Dynamite has not felt like it, a show produced by a hot company by a hot promotion. And I felt that again this week. I think the people are getting I think the people are happy that Hangman's around because he typically hasn't been around because he has an infinite home and being in a COVID petri dish is not a good idea when you have an <laughs> infinite home. Um 
but I don't know. Maybe it's just my bias or my uh, <laughs> my perspective. But doesn't feel like a real hot company to me. Having Moxley back and having Hangman around, I think, are helpful, though. I I don't know. I would say I think like I feel like people are ready for the MJF Punk thing to be over. Um, like so, I think it's good that they're probably going to blow it off at this this pay per view in a couple of weeks. Um, it feels like we're just now getting started on the Hangman and Cole thing. Both of them were in other programs until like last week. So, and now, so now I feel like you need to kind of ratchet up the intensity there. So I think mostly I was just, I was just appreciative that almost every segment felt like it had a point and like it was building to something on the pay-per-view um, main event was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I'm, I'm super jazzed about like Matt Hardy and Andrade against Darby and Sammy or whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, Eddie Kingston came back. Shows are better when he's on them. So that was good to see, even if it's for a Jericho match. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I, I think I will say something that I feel happens a lot with AEW shows is that I really like the first hour. And then I start to my interest starts to wane in that second hour. I did really like the Thunder Rosa Mercedes Martinez match. Uh, I still don't feel like I have a clear grasp on what exactly they're doing. If they're just going to do the Britain and Rosa match in like two weeks now, um, which would seem weird to do that because they haven't really felt, I haven't really felt like they've been building to it, but yeah, like I said, I, I think there was, there was more good than bad and pretty much every segment at least was building to something for this pay-per-view so i give them uh you know a solid one thumb up for that show all right well maybe something will happen next week and we can talk about it Hmm. yeah sorry for uh, the lack of content the lack of hot goss on the show this week but uh we'll hopefully have something to uh to whisper about next week all right so next time everybody i'm Ethan, and i'm liam We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. just figure out something about shelf about like your tastes in things when you're older and you're like huh it's kind of weird that i didn't realize that until more recently uh specifically uh what like uh, uh musicals for me i think interesting a fan i think so yeah i watched uh tick tick boom which was the andrew garfield netflix one that everyone else watched okay. like three months ago um, all right it's about the guy who wrote rent um okay so- but it's it's a like a dramatization of the show he did before Rent, which itself was him telling like a biographical story of of him trying to get this other show off the ground. Like it's a it's a little it's a little heady, but the song's really good and he's really good. And I was like, I think I, think I just like musicals. I think that's what I <laughs> like. This specific specific one is like a story of a guy. It's also like. It's the story of a guy who's 29 and is worried about turning 30 and feels like, you know, the time to do like fun artistic things is dying and like feels himself being pulled towards like 
you know, needing to get a job and, you know, his, his friends and his girlfriend kind of all moving on without him while he's still trying to cling on to this like artistic youth of his. So like, there's, there's probably like some <laughs> introspection to be had there, but yeah. Anyway, I like musicals now. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Yeah. So not much going on wrestling, huh? <laughs> quiet. It's quiet. We care it. Uh, what's the, what's the Prairie Home Companion guys thing? Um, I don't remember. I Lake, don't know. Like something. I can't remember. Like will be gone. Yes, there it is. It's been a quiet week here. Like will be gone. See, I never uh listened to it. I only know of know of it. So, mm-hmm. does it turn out that he like um was like uh molesting somebody? There's there was he definitely got like fired or the show got canceled <laughs> because he was going to be fired. Right, something. right. Um, that definitely happened a couple years ago. Um, I can't, I can't remember the specifics of it. Yeah, yeah it definitely was. I believe it was not full blown. Like, it was something with like a young intern that worked on the show, and he was like hugged her inappropriately or something. I don't know. Ugh. It was, it was bad. But anyway, that's not why you call. <laughs> <laughs> all right i would just like to know which um celebrity men are not creeps <laughs> so far i think we get pretty sure we're pretty sure paul rudd isn't mm, yes that would be a okay did you see the thing of the horatio sands thing I saw something a long time ago. By a long time ago, I mean probably 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. I think this was like more developments of the same thing, but I think it was in the Daily Beast today about about him like having, and this is like, you know, I guess, I guess as long as like the internet existed, this has been like an option that people have tried to exploit, but sure. Like there's this, you know, it's this like, teenage girl who ran like an snl fan site yeah that he and possibly other members of the of snl reached out to her a very prominent very prominent one that's still on television today correct uh who had no comment to the daily beast story Mm. Um, so the story the the key i remember all that stuff about the story and then he ran into her like a couple of years ago somehow right and mm-hmm. it was like he was like hey if you want to meet to me i probably deserve it but please don't or something like that yes that that was i think that's part of the i think she has like a text message or a dm or something from him with that in it so i see yeah well think, i'll definitely think, be reading that later yeah i think his his lawyers have like also claim that like she tried to blackmail him before she went public with it so i guess that's which isn't necessarily it's never a great defense it's a little bit of like the oh you're cheating on me well why were you reading my phone like like it's like you don't you don't look like a good guy to be like well yes but isn't the real crime here the blackmail no (laughs) no horatio No, that's the that's the least of the crime. Yes. I try to keep on keeping on. 